Hi, it's Dr. Rod Story with Mere Medicine. I'm so glad to be back in the Cross Politics studio. And today I have a special guest, Andrew Becker. Greetings. Hey, this uh, gentleman is a, a longtime friend, but also physician assistant and uh, athletic trainer. Correct. And medic. EMT. EMT. Yeah. Okay, tell me the difference. So medics have ALS capability. I'm technically a basic EMT in the back of an ambulance. Okay. There are some basic, uh, but happens to also be a phys- physician assistant. So yeah. glad to have him show up uh, at your house when you're in dire need. Yeah, it uh, helps. yeah so we're going to be, uh, he also happens to be uh, not just a friend, but a colleague, a gentleman that I've worked with for many years. Uh, what year was that that you started in training? Uh, 2010. Oh, I had just started, uh, just come to Washington State to work as a hospitalist. And I think you were one of the first students that I had a privilege to work with uh, on the medicine wards. My favorite rotation. Ah, uh, we well, had to say that, of course. Well, but, of course I did. <laughs> and you were my favorite student. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, there you go. What a, a good made fit. in heaven. Um, we've uh, now come full circle. And, and Andrew worked uh, for most of his career uh, doing urgent care. Mm-hmm. And and then internal medicine, internal medicine yep. for a, a large practice in our area. Uh, fortunately, came to join our practice, uh, Story Family Medicine, which is a direct primary care practice about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching uh, you grow into that role, I'm really pleased. It's it's been a delight. A real, a real pleasure. It's a fantastic thing to take care of people that you know in your community. Um, and, and we love the direct primary care model, uh, which is really different. If you don't know about it, uh, check into some previous podcasts that we've done on medicine and, and some of the things that ail it. How's direct primary care been for you? Direct primary care is a great fit for my uh, desires. And it uncovered things that I didn't know I wanted to do in medicine. Hmm. Uh, I've been a member of the community for my whole life, basically. And uh, at my previous practice, there were a few members I got to touch base with. But now everyone that I take care of, I see almost weekly. Um, and it's a delight to see them at the grocery store or see them at the park, at the, at the lacrosse field or wherever. Or at school, yeah. At school and every day I see people I know that I take care of and it's uh, remarkably rewarding. Well, I would say that that was what was often a dividing line in when I went to medical school was whether you want to know the people that you take care of mm-hmm. or whether you'd rather disappear into the woodwork at the end of the day and kind of prefer, prefer a, a strictly professional relationship. Mm-hmm. You and I uh, seem to be uh, in the thick of it with with caring for people that we love and know it, yeah it, it's very different and i remember when you first approached me about working with you that was a concern that i had i wasn't sure how i would feel about mm. it and as it turns out um it has been the greatest blessing um uh, of the practice i think it goes both ways mm-hmm. yeah it really does it's it's a uh, it's one of my favorite things to get calls after hours and say mm-hmm. hey I, I need stitches and what do you know it's someone you know and to be able to sit, meet them at the clinic yeah. do something that of, often gets really painful and expensive through the emergency room yeah very very trying and especially the little kids they they come to a place that they know mm. and they're comfortable um they're they don't associate it with pain and they're able to get the care that that um, is appropriate beneficial and and they really value it and they i think they've given all of us you know little trinkets gifts pictures that they've, <laughs> that we, that they've drawn those things us. are treasures they really are they're pretty Truly. amazing i've got one stapled into my wall right now uh which just is a great reminder of, of the gift of children yeah. well uh andrew becker is is here today partly because i think he is an uh, uh, excellent uh, source of information on sports medicine uh tell me about your background in sports medicine that was my foray into medicine initially i went to uh, washington state university my undergraduate was in kinesiology with the uh, athletic training emphasis and major um, and i was certified as an athletic trainer um, in 2005 
So let me get this. That that basically is studying how people move mm-hmm. and then how they break. Yeah, how they move, how they break, and how we can help them fix that. Oh, yes. very good. I like yeah. that third aspect that as well. That is important. <laughs> Getting them back to play. Yep. Because that's going to happen when you play sports. And, yep. and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So the focus of our show today is on uh, sports medicine and really uh, talking about uh kids and going through sports. Um, and uh, if you are like our uh, practice, you're starting to realize, man, I got to scramble and get sports physicals done for my kid because that yeah. seems to be a rite of passage. Almost, almost August. <laughs> yes. And you've been doing a bunch of them, I see yeah. on your schedule, just yeah. uh, kid after kid. And, and I see that you really um, enjoy that aspect of your practice. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, I want to talk about sports medicine or sports in general. Mm-hmm. So here we are, we're, we're two Christians and, and we have a privilege of caring for a lot of people who are believers. Why sports? Well, there's, there are good reasons for it and there are biblical reasons. The, the Apostle Paul talks about running our race mm. multiple times uh, and I think um, even, and Peter references it as well, um, but running a race, that metaphor that he uses is there not just because it's a it's a uh, fun thing to run races, but it's a it's a metaphor for our Christian walk. There are things in sports that, and challenges that you'll face that you don't get other places, mm. um, and that I think builds our ability to trust God mm. with every step that we take. Um, and well, of course, I mean, first off, our body is a pretty amazing machine mm-hmm. made by the hand of the Creator in mm-hmm. His image. Yeah. What a great um, way to use it! Um, it certainly finds a lot more glory than when it's doing activity rather than sitting on a couch. Yes. Amen. <laughs> and, the, and, uh, and I want to read that passage that you were referring to in first Corinthians nine, uh, where he talks about being like an athlete and he compares it being an athlete to the spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. But he also talks about this. He says, I do not, uh, box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this walk that actually is, uh, is involves our whole person, mm-hmm. not just spiritual, not just mental, which a lot of our kids are doing super well through through homeschool or, or classical school or wherever their parents are, are choosing to, to give them the best and encourage them, but through training our bodies. Yes. Uh, do you see that kids generally uh, do better as students when they... That, that has actually borne out in a lot of research. Mm. Um, uh, they've studied this, and that is one reason why, why um, athletic competition is helpful. I think there are physiological explanations for that, certainly mm. increased blood flow to the brain and increased nitric oxide and all of the healthy things that come with activity. But also, I think it creates discipline. Mm. Um, discipline is remarkably important. You have to have good grades to stay on the, the football team. Mr. Becker here has uh, several sons, as do I. And, uh, man, they have a lot of energy they got to get out. Sitting in school is hard. It is. How does sports play a role there? It, it gives them that outlet. They can look forward to it all day, and they, they only have to maintain that self-control for six <laughs> hours, and then they know, I've got an outlet. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and we see that all summer long. You know, we, we have our kids inside doing chores, and they just have to control themselves until they can go outside and play. Um, but it's, a, it's an, on a bigger scale, and it teaches them in the end, lifelong lessons in self-control and self-discipline, and also good study habits. As we mentioned, um, you have to be able to maintain grades, and you have to be able to um, 
to perform well. Yeah, you're definitely held to a higher standard. I, I know in our school at Logos, you you cannot be part of sports unless you're holding up the other end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's gen- generally an encouragement. I, I know one student who's holding out this year from, from, from uh, playing football, he's really gifted. And after a discussion uh, with my son, I realized grades uh, need to come first for him. So he's working on that. Uh, but I do hope to see the glory of him playing on the field. You know, a couple other scriptures come to mind. And before we jump into some of the, the principles of, of doing sports well, and I want to talk about injury, mm-hmm. two things that, that the scriptures that came to mind. One is the Proverbs twenty twenty nine, where it says that the glory of young men is their strength. Yes. It's a fabulous thing, seeking glory. We don't have a culture that seeks glory. Yeah, we don't. I also think you have to look at um, uh, kind of the progression of, of skill sets through the ages, not only from from junior high through high school, but if you look at the joy that we have as spectators watching it, mm. you're watching you know the five-year-olds, they're in a constant scrum on the field, kicking the soccer ball back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then as they progress into high school, they're tactically thinking, they're moving. Then you look at professional sports, right? For young, healthy men, that's not a sport for us old guys. <laughs> but then, <laughs> for some, I see still trying and actually getting in good health because of it. Some some people are very amazing. I don't know how they do it into their into their forties and fifties. But but you look at, at the joy that it is to watch that and see the progression of those skills. Mm-hmm. Young for the glory of young men is their strength. And it's great when those skills are started early mm-hmm. because it does set up. Uh, like you and I talked, forty and fifty year olds. Yes, man. If you if you didn't start that when you were 12, 13, 14, uh, and then hone those and build those muscles and train that muscle memory, mm-hmm. it's harder to just pick it up later on in life. Yeah, and you're actually at higher risk of injury at yeah. later, which, yeah. For sure. The other uh, passage that came to mind is in Psalms 144, and this isn't one that I've read much, but it said, uh, it's just a call to joy, and it says, let our sons in their youth be like grown-up plants. It's a weird translation. I think it really means like mature, strong trees or uh-huh. strong oaks. Um, and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned for the palace. Corner pillars is not, not a weak place to be. No, it's, it's the foundation on which everything else held up. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's wise for us husbands and, and, and wives, fathers and mothers to be considering how do we, how do we train our kids up for the race that's before them? Well, t- tell me, um, we've talked about some of the, princ- the, the purposes of playing sports. But but if you're a, if you're a dad like me, uh, I grew up in this culture that said mm, we should probably bubble wrap our kids if they're going to play sports. We want to make sure that they never have any contact with any other kid. Aren't they going to get hurt? Uh, wouldn't it be better to avoid all that pain and agony? Maybe they can learn some of those sports uh, electronically on their Nintendo <laughs> and yeah. get the same benefit. Um, and obviously, I'm I'm being a little glib here. Um, but but it's a real concern these injuries at this age. Yes, uh, I, I've taken care of a couple of uh, older fellows in my practice, and they all they trace their first knee problem back to that football injury in yes. 1967, or the that uh, head collision when they were when they were uh, 14, and they got laid out, and they got to go back in the game, and they got laid out again, and they they never were quite the same. Yes, what are some what are some principles? Before we get into the the nitty gritty of some of the common sports injuries, what are some of the principles that we should be thinking about as fathers and mothers for how to look out for our kids, how to guide them through being active and being involved in sports? I think one of the guiding principles is unnecessary risk. Uh, we don't want to take things, take anything uh, um, 
any risks that are unnecessary. So if mm. you're, if you're, if you're uh, looking at young men who, who feel like it's a good idea to just see how hard they can hit their head against somebody else's head, <laughs> that's not a necessary risk. Uh, so no, it's not even really good gamemanship either. Right. Uh, it's just smash mouth. Right. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think there's a change in, in the way that a lot of these contact sports are being refereed. Yes. That are, that are steering away from that. Do you see that? Yes. We are certainly trying to do that. Uh, no spearing is one thing we don't want. Mm. We don't want people leading with their head. We want to tackle well. That's one of the reasons why I like uh, the sport of rugby so much is mm. because at a young age, you know, five, six years old, they're teaching boys how to tackle well without without risking their head, shoulders, and and injuries in that in that regard. That crosses over to football really well. And mm-hmm. if, you're, if you have a football coach who is worth his salt, he is teaching his players how to tackle correctly. And when those skills, honestly, when you're, what, seven, eight, nine, and your small body hitting another small body and learning how to wrap up legs rather than go for a torso or, right. or go head-to-head, uh, particularly in your playing a sport like rugby where it's more... Uh, finesse and athletic, and you're you you would be foolish to tuck your head and and and, and dive into someone. Yep, it, it really does make a difference for learning it, technique. It really does. So there's that. Don't take unnecessary risks. The other thing, the other guiding principle, I would say, is make sure that uh, there's early recognition of of an actual injury. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we have aches and pains all the time, and so talking with your your kids about okay, what's an injury versus what's just a hurt. What's a sore muscle versus a, a sprained or sorry strained muscle? That's an important distinction, and just trying to figure out what that feels like. Now, our local school, Logos School, has has realized that this is a significant issue: getting injuries recognized early, dealing with them before the that small nuisance pain turns into something more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're playing a big role in that. Uh, what does that look like at uh, as a sports trainer? Well, the first thing that I do is I just try to have an open door so kids can mm. come and talk to me uh, and coaches know that I need to have kids be able to come and talk to me. And the coaches have been incredibly supportive of that. Uh, as soon as I signed on, as soon as they realized that I was going to be working uh, at the school and be available to students, they said, okay, you're, you're hurting. Go see Mr. Becker and uh, let's, let's see if this is something major or if this is something that we can just do a little rehab and play through. Mm-hmm. And I try and identify those two different things. Mm is largely what I do. Yeah, just, you don't have to make an appointment with Dr. With Mr. Becker. You don't have to, right. you can, you, you, I think you even have a room now at the end of the gym where the students gather after school for athletics. Yep. And that, and that you feel, feel like students now just know how to walk right in? Yeah, yeah, it, it seems that that's the case. Uh, I need to, this year, one of the things I want to do is quantify all of that a little better. Hmm, interesting. Um, just because I don't have a good, um, a good sense of I get the through the end of the day I've seen a number of kids I don't know how many it is exactly somewhere between eight and ten um, on any given day but I'd like to have an idea of how many kids that is. Well, and I think that's honestly uh, you're a scientist at heart and so you like you like metrics. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I would tell you, um, having been at the, the most recent benefit auction that we had at our school, where family after family donated to this program really because what they've seen is their student athlete, their kid has been getting excellent care early mm-hmm. and recognition of those injuries. And the coaches, I think, are getting a lot of buy-in on that too. So well done. I'm really thankful for what you're doing. I, and I would, and I would um, play on the other side of that coin that I, I think um, doing athletics early in life really needs coaching. You need coaches who are watching your kids um, and teaching them good form 
Uh, so I think of a number of the dads that I know that are working out with students early in the morning yes. at our school and yes. lifting weights. Uh, how many kids have hurt themselves by just grabbing the heaviest weight they could and showing off, which is pretty normal for a, a young man seeking glory, uh-huh. and yet uh, sometimes the meathead side of life. Uh, it, it's it's good to have good coaching, and, and um, we really need to put that emphasis on it. Um, what are some of the other things that, that uh, a young body should do or be encouraged to not do uh, while they're exercising that maybe is a little bit different than, a, than an adult person? Um, the young person needs to be encouraged not to push through um, pain hmm. um, to a certain degree. There, there is some, obviously, if, you, if you're just sore from a previous workout, that's not a big deal. But if you're doing a movement and it's a painful movement, that bears with it even more risk at a young age than at an older age, specifically regarding growth plates. Mm. Open growth plates can close prematurely if mm. we stress them wrong. So we don't want that. And what does a stress mean? Like what are some stresses just, that are common in sports? Just lifting a weight, for example, mm. or uh, running an endurance race um, is another one. If you're, if you're starting to get bad ankle pain by mile two, don't push through to mile three. Mm. For an older adult, it may be advisable to push through a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, obviously, you want to be careful with that. But it's in, the, in a younger athlete, that's a really important thing. Don't push through. You don't want to close those growth plates or stress them in that way mm-hmm. uh, prematurely. Uh, another thing that we've seen is, is little kids who try to get into like bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. They try to lift heavy weights. They end up closing, closing growth plates sooner because of the amount of force they put on them from squats mm. and things like that with heavy weights. We don't, we don't want that. So these principles that, that we're kind of laying out there, uh, number one, uh, make sure you get good coaching. Number two, uh, make sure that you're easing in and you're not doing it to pain mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and that you're not maxing out at too early of an age. Uh, uh, getting, um, uh, not, not, not ignoring pain, right. uh, I think is the one that you led off with. Yep. And then the one that I would kind of... Um, for my own personal story, because I was one of those athletes, I would show up on day one, not having exercised all summer and be yeah. ready to run cross country or soccer. And inevitably I had a stress fracture or, or, um, the ankle injury just because I had not been working out. So parents, here's, here's my principle for you. If your kids are, have not yet started exercising to get ready for fall sports, get them out. Yes. Uh, they will accelerate too quick when they join the team. They're going to get that encouragement of a whole team and coaching. And if they aren't uh, already having put in some time this summer, they're, they're much more liked, likely to be. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sports-specific stuff. Mm, it can give me an example. It can be just general endurance uh, endurance activities. So say, you're, say your athlete is a, is a cross-country runner. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have them run distance now. Mm-hmm. Have them just be swimming or riding a bike. Or going hiking. Or going hiking. Any, yeah. any kind of activity that leads up to those longer runs in as the cross-country season starts. I see a couple of wise families that I know that do uh, ultimate Frisbee uh, together as a family sport. Yeah. And, uh, uh, of course, they're those, they're those ones with the big 15-passenger vans. So they bring a whole team. Uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's fabulous. That's it's a great way really to do great. it. Uh, let's, um, let's talk about sports physicals. Yeah. Man, everybody's favorite thing. Uh, first off, you get that piece of paper and go, oops, uh, I didn't schedule this quick. <laughs> right. And then you call your doctor and there's like, uh, I can get you in about three weeks from Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, is, this a, is this a necessary thing, these sports physicals? Do, do we need to do those? Yes. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. And I would say the the school requires it at, uh, at I, I believe that actually it's like a state requirement, but I think it's sixth, ninth, and 11th grade. Okay. I, I think there's no harm in doing them every year, um, especially with our direct primary care model. It doesn't cost you anything extra to go have That's a physical. That's great. Um, a nice plug there, Andrew. Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Uh, but the, the reason is that we get a chance to really test the joints of the of the student athletes and we can move them around and we can see if there's any restriction and that's one of the things that i love about sports physicals the most keep going sir and uh and that um uh, sorry that's one of the things i love about sports physicals the most that is that i get to actually do a ligament exam on every joint mm. and see if there's any any tension if the hamstrings are too tight if the calves are too tight if there's something that's going to predispose that person to an injury later on the fir- the front page of that physical form is also very important it's a questionnaire oh part. man that's my favorite has your kid ever and it lists like 40 different things that you're yes. supposed to remember about each kid mm-hmm. ever um, been dizzy after exercise well yes i've been dizzy after <laughs> exercise as well it doesn't mean i have yeah. a heart problem but it means i might have gone too hard for that particular mm-hmm. session or something mm-hmm. like that but it's one of those things we want to say, all right, is this, is this a, a common problem? Is this happening every time? Is there a trend that is concerning to us? When I look at those, I'm really kind of, I often will throw them aside. And, I mean, I'll, I'll glance at them mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll, I'll re-ask the questions. Yes. And the, the really four questions that I want to know, any big injuries that you've had yes. or current injuries that you've got, you know, pains, aches, things that I need to know, because that often tells a story about what, their past is and what they, we might anticipate about them in the future. Um, and I, and I want to make sure that they've healed up from that previous thing they got injured. Second, I often, um, that we talked a little bit about that dizziness. You brought that up. What is, what, what is it that we're looking for with that? Specifically, the biggest concern is, uh, like a cardio, like a cardiomyopathy, like a heart uh, disease or something. Oh, other. okay. Heart disease in kids. What's that mean? Well, uh, there's there's there are a couple of congenital diseases. Uh, one that is really concerning is hyper uh, hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. It's where the left ventricle overgrows, uh, part of the heart muscle overgrows and restricts blood flow. Ah, and that's fatal in kids. Yikes. Yeah. But what Andrew is, is referring to is that we, we commonly call HOCUM, H-O-C-U-M. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's, it's that scary thing that you really want to try to avoid at all costs. What are some of the risk factors for that kind of circumstance? Number one is family history. Okay. Right. That's the, that's the So problem. family history of anyone that's ever had a, a, a collapse yep. while at, at max exercise. Correct. And also, one of the things we've identified is a drowning. Mm. So we actually hypothesize that some uh, unexplained drownings in healthy people are actually hokum. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. Yeah, it's a hypothesis. Well, yeah, and, and you hear about these, the, the hockey kid that drops on the, on, the, on, on the court or the basketball kid or, you know, and they're, and they're just peak mm-hmm. uh, physical fitness and you go, what in the world? And then you hear heart event. They had a heart event that caused this. Um, it really is this remarkable thing where the heart is so over built mm-hmm. and it runs in a family's genes yes, the risk for it that, that they actually uh, c- create a blockage so that the blood can't exit the heart yep. pretty pretty scary stuff and so we asked the question that's the second question i like to talk about have you had what we call a syncope right. meaning you feel lightheaded at max exercise you feel like you're going to pass out mm-hmm. um, and that's just the medical word that we use for that the third i i'm surprised how often it turns out that the first diagnosis for asthma is a uh, sports physical. Mm-hmm. Do you, what kind of things do you ask about? 
really just shortness of breath or coughing after exercise. Mm, coughing. Not, yeah. What, what, tell me what you mean by that. It, so um, uh, a lot of times asthma presents uh, after exercise as this uncontrollable mm. racking cough. It's just spasmodic and they can't catch their breath a lot of the time. And they feel like it's just allergies or whatever. And as it turns out, it probably is. But it's also asthma that has shown itself after uh, some sort of insult. Like well, does that mean that that's, that student shouldn't exercise or are we actually trying to trying to block them from exercising? Actually, it doesn't. Uh, it just means that we need to give them probably some pre-medication via okay. an inhaler and they okay. can participate uh, and, and, um, and not have any restrictions. And a lot of times that exercise-induced asthma will go away mm. as they work through it. As they condition themselves. That's my favorite story about Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, he was a horrible childhood asthmatic. Yes. Uh, but the two things that got him out of that was black coffee, which surprisingly has a little bit of the same properties as albuterol. And I'm not saying give your kid black <laughs> coffee. It might stunt their growth, right? Just that's, yeah. a, that's a joke, by the way. Um, yeah. But I would encourage exercise as a way to, uh, if cardio, being cardiovascularly fit makes your lungs work better and surprisingly asthmatics that are in good shape do much better yes and i'm glad for that um so I, I see you walking kids down the hall. What is that about? A lot of times it's, it's a gait analysis. We, we look at how they're walking. We want to see, we want to see balance and we want to see correct um, biomechanics. Uh, and one of the things that we have to remember is that whatever they're doing slowly while they're walking, it just gets worse when they're running. Mm. And so if somebody has a, an area of discomfort, a lot of times a, a, even a, a slow gait analysis will reveal where that's coming from. Yeah, you see that uh, to a practice eye, and I know that you've developed this over time is that you see that little hitch in their walk and you go oh why are they not bringing that knee through or why are they uh, not wanting to put their full weight on that foot uh why is that pelvis tipping like it is it's it's uh, uh most people can pick that up if they watch their kids carefully but it's definitely one of the things that a, that a sports physical i think would be wise to do and i and i don't see it very, done very often i'm glad in our office that uh, we take that time to watch those kids walk uh rather than just check them out on a on a on an exam table my other thing about sports physicals and i think you're in the same boat is oftentimes a sports physical is about the only time that you get to see that kid Uh i mean they're healthy mom and dad are like yeah they play three sports what in the world do i need to have them bring go to a doctor anyways um but it's a it's a real check-in for for growth uh tell me what you what you noticed there what you talked to your kids about there um there Basically, what we're trying to do is just track that they're on schedule. They're yeah. not. They're not a hundred pound junior, junior high, or sorry, junior boy, um, young man. Yeah. Who's who's you know super skinny or make sure that there's not some sort of desire to be too thin or some sort of uh, metabolic dysfunction or something. Yeah, like that. it's just a great opportunity to see is your kid growing normally, yeah. and then sometimes it gives an opportunity to have that conversation about. Uh, that your son or, or daughter may not have had about, uh, or been been mm-hmm. open to have about their their real concerns about their yeah. growth. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised at how often it comes up during sports physicals. And for young ladies especially, I talk to a lot of the young ladies about um, the uh, the female athlete triad, which is okay. um, which is when they exercise too much, they're not eating enough, and they lose too much body fat. Okay. They end up with without menses. And okay. that's a problem. Um, they end up then having poor bone uh, turnover and 
end up with at risk wow. for stress fractures. And and in medicine or uh, a lot of places in medicine, that's kind of assumed as normal and healthy and good. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, what a benefit! Your your uh, your menstrual cycle went away. Uh, you must be an amazingly healthy girl. Uh, it sounds like you you take a bit of a different tact on that. Yeah, I, I think it's not a healthy thing to have uh, absent or very delayed or, or irregular mm. menses in in those formative years. Our, our, uh, our women's bones were not meant to grow mm. um, in the absence of estrogens. So when sports uh, have really taken off with girls, and so I do think this is an important issue where we're seeing um, uh, an encouragement from our culture to kind of keep that strong boy-like frame and to be at peak health and and isn't marvelous that you kind of put off all the hassles of womanhood and, and yet it's such a short time of life with a massive impact for all of life including yes. uh, the way that you develop and and so it's important to think about i i like to to check everybody for scoliosis mm-hmm. i think it's an important thing to do during this yeah. time uh, so if you have, if you watch me uh, having your kid uh, uh, touch their toes, it's not because I want to see how inflexible I am compared to them. Um, and then uh, I often find it's a great opportunity to talk about something that, that kids don't always bring up, which is acne, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the boys where we have them take their shirts off. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you see acne, what makes you concerned? The biggest thing is when it's really, uh, uh, really causing deep pits or scarring of the skin, mm. cystic changes, um, where it's uh, really progressive on the upper shoulders uh, and back and chest. That's when I start to worry about it. We typically will see it along the jawline and in, in just normal, um, normal sort of adolescent yeah. acne. Uh, and we can certainly do some things to help with that. Uh, however, uh, when we see it progressing down the body, it's it's a little more concerning for when those fits. thick ropey scars they, yeah. they come on so quick and they are not reversible when it gets to that point. And so to be able to catch it and say, hey, let's talk about um, talk about some hygiene ways of taking care of this. Let's talk about maybe some simple things to do for your skin. Um, it it is a good moment to catch things that do have a long term. Mm-hmm. Um, concern for for your particularly your son and, and his well-being or your daughter well uh, as we pivot as we as we finish this this conversation i'd like um just to to get a few tips from you because you've got some great expertise in returning kids back to sports but also knowing when to hold them out talk to me about ankle injuries ankle injuries are i think the most common injury of any sport related mm. injury that we face why is that it's the most commonly used joint in mm. any sport um it's in every sport crazy amount of stress yep. when you uh, are off your feet or landing. Um, it's also a strange joint, mm-hmm. just that it's, it's this active joint. I learned this year, I think you were in that, that conference, foot and ankle conference, about how there's pivoting going on in the lower, yes. uh, lower bones. It's not just this floppy hinge. Right. And there's a locking mechanism mm-hmm. that's amazing that unlocks and locks your arch. And all of this is happening multiple times through each step. Yep. There's also uh, um, there's a, a bony block um, on the outside of the ankle that doesn't really allow your foot to to move outward. Okay. But does allow your foot to move inward, which is why we get inversion ankle sprains. Okay. Um, more commonly than eversion. Ankle so sprains. when when people commonly injure the ankle, which side of the ankle is it typically? It's the outside. Okay. The big bump on the outside of the ankle. How how can a parent get a general sense of oh this is bad? Bad. Not being able to bear weight. Okay. Is the number one thing. I would say if they can bear weight, eh, it's probably not as bad, not a fracture. Meaning uh, there's something bony going on. Right. Okay. Right. Um, if they can bear weight, that's a good sign. Uh, and motion. Motion is the other thing that I really look for. If they have full range of motion and they can bear weight, then it's it's 
likely a mild injury. Okay. And we're going to probably progress them back pretty quickly. That surprises me. So, I, Andrew, I got to tell you, you and I managed a patient together this year that kind of blew my mind. I'm, I'm a little old school, 20 years in medicine, and I would have put that kid in a in, uh, walking boot and um, said, your season is over. Mm-hmm. He was back uh, standing and, and, and doing some, some light duty within a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is, what has changed about ankle management that, that I should be paying, thinking about? Well, one of the things that's a, a little new is that we, we, we want early motion. Okay. Early pain-free motion results in earlier return to play. What you're doing with that situation, inside the joint capsule of the ankle, you have swelling, you're pumping that fluid out. Okay. Once the fluid is out, you, ha- you have then free, more free motion. But also as you're moving the ankle through those motions, you're putting normal and good stresses on the ligaments that have been torn. Okay. And as you put normal good stresses on a ligament that's torn without pain, you're helping it to heal and helping all that scar tissue to lay down in appropriate and strong directions. Huh. What we used to do is ACL injuries, uh, ankle sprains that were really bad with a full tear. We would put them in a boot for six weeks and then they'd have all this mishmash of scar tissue. Yes. And you would pull them out of the boot. They would have no range of motion. They would have to get that back. And that would take them several weeks, and then they would have to get their strength back. And so, what we're able to do, if they have, if if we can get them early pain-free range of motion mm. during their rehab cycle, what happens is they end up coming out of their boot, right? Okay. We're done with the immobilization and protection process at the same time, but they come back with almost full range of motion. That's pretty amazing. And what they then do is they go to strength. Once their strength is established, then they can return to... Well, in this, in this patient of mine who was a student athlete uh, and didn't want to miss his senior year of uh, um, and end up going to state with lacrosse, it was pretty amazing because I thought week two, bad ankle injury. Bad. Uh, uh, we had an MRI because we were so concerned about it and showed multiple uh, ligamentous tears. Uh, that were complete, not just partial tears, and yet um, made it back for his last couple of games. That uh, really a remarkable. So just to kind of give me an outline, ankle injury. If if there's nothing bony going on, but you got this big swollen ankle, what does week one typically look like for for rehab? Week one is going to be. Uh, um Early, uh, so we, obviously we do the rest, ice, compression, and elevation. That's okay, day those one. are still okay. Those are the first things we want to do. We okay. want to get off of it. We don't need to tax that ankle the following day. We really don't. We want to ice for the first 24 hours. Okay. We want to compress it. We want to squeeze the fluid out. We want to elevate it. We want to let gravity do its thing. Okay. So rice is still rest, ice, compression, elevation. Still Ibuprofen? The same thing. We want to wait about 24 hours. Or Fascinating. Even though they're in pain? Even though they're in pain. Okay. The reason is that there is a natural inflammatory response that has to happen for them to begin healing. Okay. And we don't need to inhibit that. We need to let that be for a little while. You're being controversial now. I am. Mr. Becker. I am. But I appreciate that. Week two? Week two, uh, we're progressing with, uh, with range of motion. Okay. And we're in heat at that point. We don't need any more ice. Um, in fact, after the first 24 hours, ice or heat is sort of equivocal. Wow. So I prefer heat at that point because it actually can increase blood flow and it can increase the efficacy of some of the ankle pumping action that we do to get the fluid out of the area. After that point, uh, once range of motion is within 90% of the unaffected side, we can start to begin with some strength. So that's 
that's how week two usually progresses. We're usually moving on to strength by that point. And then I've seen you use, uh, using a balance ball or other things mm-hmm. kind of week three, week four. What are, we, what are we trying to accomplish there? One of the main things that happens in an ankle sprain is that all of the nerves get stretched as long as the muscles and ligaments. Mm. And so when the nerves get stretched, the communication between the, the joint and the brain is less good. Okay. And so one of the things that we have to do is make sure that that communication is spot on before we return them to, uh, to sport. Okay. Because if their joint is not able to communicate to their brain where it is in space, they can't prevent another ankle sprain or injury. Okay. And so that's the goal is to really increase proprioceptive ability. That's that ability to feel where your body is in space. I mean, we all have that experience of walking down the stairs in the dark and you can almost guess where each step is. Yes. Sometimes you trick yourself out. But it's that idea of your body is amazing at, at being able to, to shift weights to use opposing muscle groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need that more again than just the hinge of yes. the ankle working. You need yep. all the muscles and, and, and even nerves working. Let's move on to something uh, different. Talk to me about concussions. Uh, this is such a big concern. It's a big concern. Uh, when, I, when, my, when my boys came to me and said, Dad, want to play football? And I was like, uh, mm, I, uh, I like your brain, son. Yes. Um, it was a real concern. And, and, and I, um, we all have that experience of, of um, seeing the NFL players who, mm-hmm. who be, have significant issues mm-hmm. early in life early. because they just had concussion. Yep. But, but, but um, what is a concussion? And, and, and secondly, how do, we, how do we avoid our sons and daughters having these lifelong issues from them? Yeah, so a concussion, the definition is, uh, is essentially a transient, uh, short-lived change in uh, cognitive function after a, a traumatic head injury. Okay. So you hit your so head. So hit a head. And, and your brain doesn't work correctly for a short time. What does that look like practically on the field? Like what are you looking for when you see a student who you think might have a concussion? The first thing I look for is any kind of, of confusion. Mm. Uh, um, a kid who takes a, a, a whack on the head and he's, he's able to tell me, oh yeah, I was running this play. Um, I know, I know what was going on. I, I feel fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll run through some, some more questions like memory and those kinds of things. But the first thing that I see is, man, what just happened? Mm. That was really wild. I just got hit really hard. What's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What play is it? What, you know, what, down? so there's like an, uh, an amnesia where you can't <laughs> not even, you're, you're disoriented. Yep. Um, and sometimes, um, I've heard that a concussion that is, has a loss of consciousness, where the person is laid out is even worse? Yes. Yeah. Okay, does that still hold true? Yes. By by definition, um, a, a second-degree concussion is loss of consciousness. Okay. Right? Uh, or, sorry, I should say this again, by, or a different way. By definition, loss of consciousness equals concussion. Okay. There's no exception okay. to that. I've had people say, oh, I was only out for a, a second. Well, you were out, so that's a concussion. Sure. Um, but you can have concussion even without loss of consciousness. Ah. And that's a more of a mild concussion most of the okay. time. Okay. Um, and what we look for is sort of that confusion. We certainly do some memory testing. We do some coordination testing, right? Can you touch your nose with your eyes closed without your fingers wavering? Sure. Um, and we, we look at um, other, you know, nerves, like the cranial nerves, the nerves inside the face. Yeah. Um, are they uh, functioning correctly? And okay. if we see dysfunction, that's, that's definitive. So it seems like there's a really low threshold now to pull a kid out of a game. Yeah, and there used to not be. Um, we, we were admittedly very poor at recognizing concussion. We just mm-hmm. felt like it was part of the game. Mm-hmm. Right? You got your quote-unquote bell rung, ah. right? You've heard that one. 
And, um, and that was a concussion. And we would put kids back in the game as soon as their cobwebs had cleared. And that's where a lot of the sort of this chronic traumatic encephalopathy, sure. the NFL problem. Well, I, I, I don't know if this is still the term, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, they call it the suck it hit hypothesis. Mm-hmm. This idea that you haven't recovered from your first correct. concussion. It takes time to do that. Yep. And not everybody recognizes when that occurs, yep. but it's that second hit. Yep. And what's the thought there? So the, the brain, when it's tra- traumatized, like any other soft tissue, has to undergo a healing process. It's essentially a bruised tissue. Right? Okay. The brain whacks against the side of your skull or, uh, or, or just vibrates inside the... the that makes sense. Throat. I mean, if you get a good bruise on your thigh, um, man, that thing can hurt for a while. Yep. And, and like uh, a bad bruise on your thigh, if you whack it again you'll end up with dysfunctional healing. In the brain, one of the thoughts is that it dysregulates blood clotting altogether and blood flow, so you end up with massive swelling of the brain after the second hit because it hasn't fully reached homeostasis after the first one. Okay, and And how long does that actually take? Uh, For a mild concussion, it's about seven days. Wow. Yeah, about seven days for things to really be in good shape. And the way that we now progress that and test that is we, we, if, if somebody's had a concussion, a mild one, say they've only got, you know, they're just a little confused cobwebs right after the hit. What we'll do is we'll hold them out for a whole week. And after 24 hours of being asymptomatic, we'll push them. We'll start saying, okay, go do some push-ups, go jog. Mm. And if jogging or push-ups causes any return to the symptoms that they had or headache or anything like that, then we say, you're not ready for the next step. You have okay. not healed yet. Um, and, and then if they have, and there's no symptoms, then we progress them to even harder exercise and harder exercise the following day and then harder exercise following that. So we basically take a stepwise approach and say, all right, if you can handle these progressive, progressively harder tasks, then your brain is healing on schedule and it's doing well. Is there something to the exercise that's also helping the brain heal? Yes, there certainly is. We increase blood flow, and anytime there's increased blood flow, you're actually getting evacuation of, of damaged tissue. That sounds a lot like that ankle injury, and in that and that rather than immobilizing it, yeah. um, actually bringing some of that blood flow and yep. causing it to pump some of the old stuff that's out. Great, that's a great point. Um, but yeah, the, so there's that, but also we're putting more building blocks, more protein, more um, growth factors into the brain, ah. which helps to heal it as well. Well, I'm, I, I'm thankful because I, I see in my son's coaches and I see in the athletic program here, I see generally among, among um, uh, sports trainers that there is a recognition that uh, first off for early concussion yeah. and, and pulling those kids out so they don't get that second hit. Yeah also uh, a sense of we needed to hold off and not push that kid to get back in the game or back in next Saturday's game, mm-hmm. but really let them heal before we do that. And I think that's, that's been um, a huge gain in keeping kids from long-term problems yeah. with these. Yeah. And I think that recognition really is the key. Uh, recognizing that you've had a, a brain hit mm-hmm. um, and then it's not, you're not quite where you should be. That's so we've talked about ankles. We've talked about concussions. I want to finish by just a couple of, give me, give me three points on, on when I should come see uh, Andrew Becker about my sore knee as a student athlete. Yeah. So for, for a sore knee, especially if you're, if you don't have full range of motion, you can't bend it all the way. Okay. I need to know about that one. Mm. Um, if there's any clicking or, or, or popping that's painful. Okay. I need to know about that as well. Um, or if you see that it's, it's big and swollen. 
Oh, if okay. You a, if you see a swollen knee, that can present or represent big. And bad. is there anything to, I'm going to add number four here. Is there anything to pain that worsens with, with exercise? So, you know, go out for a run yeah. and, and you're, you know, you're, you got your normal warm up aches and pains, but it gets worse as you're running. Is that a time to say, yes, hold off? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I should have probably mentioned that. Uh, but I only gave you three spots. You so did. number four, I'm going to, I'm going to steal for my own glory. <laughs> well, let's finish as we, as uh, with prayer. Lord God, thank you for the skills and talents that you've given Andrew and myself and many others that are caring for children uh, through medicine. We thank you for sports and, and the gift of being able to use our body. Father, it's a glory that we see our sons and daughters being able to exercise and perform. Uh, and Father, we ask that you give us wisdom as we help them do that. Father, also thank you for bodies that heal remarkably. Uh, Father, all this to your glory. Thank you through Jesus. Amen. Amen.